Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, not a lot of drama at the college football playoff, Perloff. This is supposed to be a television show that we're all tuning in for, but they really showed some restraint, I thought, in basically staying with the same top eight that they did from Mm. last week with Ohio State, then Georgia, then Michigan, Florida State. That rounds out the top four. Then you have Washington still undefeated, a one-loss Oregon, one-loss Texas, one-loss Alabama, and that's the top eight. And Mm. it kind of feels to me like this is setting up, it's like the appetizer, because there's no chance that the top eight can stay the same this week because of the games that are happening. Well, I think the committee looks at the week ahead and says, we don't have to make a tough decision now because this is going to be played out on the field. So it does. we all know it doesn't really matter what they do right now because obviously Ohio State has to play Michigan yep. and uh, Alabama has to hopefully play the SEC title game. And they know what they're doing here. They're sort of setting, exactly setting it up, knowing exactly how it's going to play out over the next month. So that's like the kind of drama-less uh, college football playoff rankings part two. I mean, Listen, maybe you can quibble a little bit if you are maybe Georgia. Did you think that you would get the top spot now because your win was a lot more convincing than what Ohio State did against Rutgers? But again, like that's I don't think that's enough to move the needle for the committee. Well, the one thing that could be an issue is you're looking at a real logjam at the top this year. There's going to be seven or eight big programs competing for those four spots. So Georgia could say, oh, okay, if we have one loss and Michigan has one loss, or sorry, Ohio State has one loss, are you going to put us behind Ohio State? But do you know the committee will flip-flop on that anyway? There's no consistency, right? Just because Georgia's behind Ohio State now, if they end up with the same record, they could arbitrarily move Georgia up. I think the history shows that. No doubt. Uh, EJ has a couple of these burning college football questions for us. EJ, what's up? What's up, guys? So we're going to begin here with, uh, a very important question, one that I think is going to be fascinating and a story we've been following for a while. It's Texas and Arch Manning. Oh, boy. So we have the injury to Quinn Ewers and questions about whether Arch Manning will get his shot here. Does Arch Manning give Texas the best chance to win the rest of the way? So Malik Murphy has been in for Ewers, who's now listed as day-to-day, right? I think day-to-day. So he might come back against TCU. Texas, I believe, is a 10-point favorite on the road to play yeah. TCU this weekend. And Murphy... For as talented as the guy is, four turnovers in the last two games didn't matter much against BYU because you beat him in a blowout pearl off. But those two yeah. interceptions against Kansas State, and that was a Texas escapes in overtime, 33-30. to 30. I don't know if Arch Manning would look tons better, though. And it's hard to tell because Arch is so young. So young, but I, if Malik Murphy 
continues, A, to play, and B, to have turnovers, I do believe they would go to Arch. So I think you you can read an injury reporter. We've been in this business long enough to know they're priming us for Ewers to come back right here. Malik Murphy was so good in the first half last week, I thought that he could even challenge Ewers. And then he was so bad in the second half, sort of the end of the second quarter on, it is very confusing to me because Malik Murphy was a big recruit himself. He yeah. was a four-star, not a five-star like Arch. I, I think I think if you're Texas, you hold on with Ewers and you have some experience with Murphy. To go to a complete unknown with your final four life hanging in the balance, that seems like a big risk. I don't think Sark does that because... You look at Texas, they have no margin for error. They're on a razor's edge here. This is their final four year because, exactly like you said, they escaped last Saturday. I don't think you take the big risk and try a total unknown in Arch. I wouldn't do it in this situation. Listen, if Ewers, though, is still compromised or if he gets hurt again, so let's play this out. Say Ewers comes back and he gets hurt again, I I do believe they'll probably go to Malik Murphy, but the first interception he throws, I mm. think they're going to Arch. Like I, They didn't last week, and Malik Murphy couldn't hit the ocean. <laughs> That's true, but <laughs> that, I, I do think that Sark, has, the way he's talking about Arch Manning, listen, of course you got to talk up Arch Manning. He's the biggest recruit you've landed. But him talking about how you know comfortable no. he's looking and the athleticism, like I think they're greasing the wheels. Sorry, I had just a yes. little side turn on this. Yeah, go ahead. One reason to do Arch Manning EJ and I had a pre-show debate. If Texas and Alabama both have one loss, if you're the committee and Arch Manning is a starting quarterback of Texas, wouldn't you maybe give that a bump oh. for TV ratings? Would that be an advantage for Texas? You say, ooh, we could bring Arch, and that's a big TV audience right there. That's a good last name. I know, but do you think that Arch Manning actually is more eyeballs than Alabama? Well, <laughs> Alabama is like the number one draw outside of Notre Dame in this country. So that's a debate. Texas and Alabama are on a collision course. I, I think Texas gets in over Alabama because Texas is, beat them, but... is wildly popular, too. Texas is a huge program. So Alabama, they kept out last year. I, I think Arch Manning could be a deciding factor in that. Don't you think? Don't you want to see Arch Manning? We've seen Alabama. I know Alabama's a big rating. I think Texas with Arch Manning is a way bigger rating. EJ, what's next? Let's get back to that college football playoff. So uh, we talked about one-loss teams that are trying to get themselves in. Which current one-loss team has the best chance at making the college football playoff? Oh, Maggie, I'm going to steal this one from you because I know you're a lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> your, this year. That's yeah. your team for the season. My bandwagon. Oregon is 8-1 and one and has a showdown coming likely with Washington, who they lost to in Seattle in the Pac-12 title game. They, it's not just that they have the path there, which they do. They're also playing better than any one-loss team in the country. They're destroying people. I, I think Oregon with a Heisman candidate and Bo Nix, maybe a Heisman favored in Bo Nix if they win that Washington game, they're going to be very, very attractive to the committee. I think Oregon gets in with one loss. Okay. I'm going to give you a trivia question. Which team has five wins versus the top 35 football power index and one loss against a top 10 team. The answer is Alabama and the Oregon and Texas combined have five wins against the top 35 and one bad loss. So I would think that if you look at the numbers and who's played who and what kind of quality wins do you have, Alabama blows Oregon out of the water. And I'm sorry to say this because obviously, you know, I love my ducks, but the best, the second best game on Oregon schedule in terms of like powerful, like a good games for the committee to look at the second best one they have is a loss. 
like a good loss to Washington. And meanwhile, Alabama out here beating LSU, beating mm. other ranked teams. I think Alabama definitely gets the nod right now. Ooh, They're I, behind Texas because they lost to Texas, but they lost to Texas the second week of the season when the quarterback situation was completely in flux. Now Jalen yeah. Milrow is like, might get invited to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. It's a different team now. Why do you think Alabama's number eight right now with the lowest ranking they've ever had? Because their schedule has been so soft. I, I know the top 35 wins, but all those teams were in Tuscaloosa. They don't have a signature win. What's their signature well, win? Well, they just beat LSU. But LSU is, I, their quarterback got knocked out in the third quarter on a dirty hit, and they were struggling that whole game. I think the committee does not love Alabama's resume right now because everybody had to come to Alabama, so they don't really have, who have they beaten on the road? That's I don't think they've even beat a winning team on the road. Well, other, they, listen, they've got other ranked wins against Tennessee, whatever you think about Tennessee, and they beat Ole Miss, who's in. sitting right there at nine. So the Ole Miss win is arguably their most impressive win, but beating Ole Miss in Alabama, I mean, does that really blow you away? Where if Oregon okay, but, Oregon gets a hold of Washington, that is a huge win. Okay, but, now, but they the, already lost once to, to Washington. Yeah. Listen, I love my Ducks, but what's their big win? It's going to be Washington. Okay, but that hasn't happened yet. Like, I can say <laughs> Alabama's well, big win scenario, could be Georgia. In this, well, that's the other thing. Alabama will have Georgia, hopefully have Georgia. In the Georgia. SEC championship game. Yeah, that's uh, why. But you, the honestly, question was, the, who's the most likely to get in and one win? And I'm looking at Oregon against Washington, and I'm looking at Alabama against Georgia. I'm saying Oregon is most likely because I don't know if Alabama can beat Georgia well, right now. Well, I don't now. know if they will either. But if they beat Georgia, they're definitely in. But that's going to go into our next question. But I'm looking at Oregon. Listen, again, love my Ducks. But that Colorado yeah. win is not looking the same as it did. And you have the loss to Washington, but that could have been the game of the year. You absolutely smoked yeah. Utah, but Utah is also playing with a backup quarterback whose parents are pig farmers and they're playing with a safety of running back yeah. like well, Utah is, is is fun to watch but they're not the juggernaut either funny thing is both teams could easily get boxed out the way things are going which would be amazing to watch EJ what's last all right final question here staying with the college football playoff will any conference get two teams into the college football playoff this season Ooh, like last year not not a chance there wow. is not a chance. Really? Not a chance? You, this is the, the weirdest year. Every big conference has a legit Final Four team. And some of them have two. So, right, the SEC has Georgia and Alabama. The Big Ten has Ohio State, Michigan, and maybe Penn State. The Pac-12 has Oregon and Washington. The Big 12 has Texas for its last time. And the ACC has Florida State. It's unbelievable. All the conferences have showed up to play this year. Okay, but here's the thing. If Florida State wins out and Washington wins out, What's gonna happen? They're both in. Oh, I don't know. I think Washington might end up jumping Florida State, I, and I'm not so sure that they are both in. Really? I'm not so sure. I know that Florida State right now is four, so it might be harder to knock them off. But I, I, I don't know. I'm not so sure. I think the SEC still could get two get two teams in. And I think that Alabama beating Georgia right. because of Georgia's a mini dynasty right now, because Georgia is so incredible, that if Georgia with a one loss, I think, gets in, and I think Alabama with a one loss gets in. Over undefeated Florida State or Washington? Uh, this is where I feel like the committee might do some hijinks, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, it'd be these are not small schools no, either. I Washington, know. Washington might not be the brand that some of these other schools are, but Florida State certainly is. I just think there's like this idea that we kind of feel that Washington will lose to Oregon in the rematch because that game was so close. Well, they, every all these teams, all these one-loss teams, need Washington and Florida State to lose. That otherwise they have a big problem right. on their head. 
the other thing is Ohio State and Michigan. If Michigan beats Penn State, then one of those teams is going to be undefeated. I just think the Big Ten winner is the only one getting in this year. Uh, I I I think it's I think the committee they say they like conference champions and they're going to be put to the test here to jump a one loss Alabama who hasn't had a hard schedule this year it's going to be really hard. Yeah, I mean FSU probably doesn't have a loss, right? Are they winning well, out here? Uh by the way, Florida State has flirted with dis- all these teams have flirted with disaster. Georgia has too. I don't know, EJ. You got your Hurricanes coming in uh, I, to I, Florida I State. Have no confidence that Miami <laughs> can beat Florida State. This no, weekend. EJ is specifically going to see a Marvel movie so he doesn't have to watch Miami play Florida State. That, that is a fact. You well, wave the, Mar- the white the flag. Marvels four thirty, right hour after hour after kickoff is when I'm going to see a Marvel the Marvel movie. <laughs> but we know fandom that could actually propel the Hurricanes to a win. Yeah. EJ not being there, and if that they do win that, you can never watch a game again, right? Well, I mean, that's the sacrifice you have to make as a fan. Yeah. If you don't watch and your team wins, you never get to watch again. Sadly. Cheer from afar. Maybe in two years. I don't know what the statute of limitations are. And you have to see a Marvel movie every time they have a big game. That's true. But that Don't worry. There will be one. They come out every two weeks, <laughs> I so I think it'll be say. fine. Is it amazing? Last year, they had to put in a one-loss Ohio State team and a TCU team with one loss. This year, they might freeze out a one-loss Oregon team or a one-loss Texas team. They have some big brands to choose from. That's Remember I said I love awkwardness for the college football playoff yeah. committee? This is going to be a great awkward year. <laughs> Lucky Perloff. Like, you ah. get to really see. A lot of, so here's a question. Do you think that the Pac-12 being in the final year of its existence helps them get a team in, or do you think it hurts in the sense that you know, you're kind of putting the failures of this conference. This is not Oregon's fault or Washington's fault, by the way. You're kind of putting the failures, the hypocrisies, the money grab of college football and putting it on the biggest stage. It's like, here, <laughs> here's like the, the the last going out party for the Pac-12. I don't know if that helps them in the eyes of the committee because you're putting a glaring failure in front of an audience of, you know, 50 million. Who do you think the people who got Oregon and Washington in the Big Ten, who do you, who do you think sitting on the committee? The people who engineered all these moves, they don't but care. it's embarrassing for them, isn't it? No. I mean, this is what the 80s do. It's not, I don't think it's that embarrassing. I, I think it might even help them to give a little bit of homage to the Pac-12. It'd be weird to keep the Pac-12. This is the best Pac-12 we've had in two decades. I know, but... To keep them out of the Final Four with a strong one-loss team would be... That'd be something. I know, but you have the if you have a Pac-12 team in the college football Final Four, you're just kind of saying like, huh, why doesn't this conference exist anymore? It's like, oh, yeah, because y'all are greedy. Yeah, but and, the, y'all are the people who are in the room choosing this. That's the greedy people. I know, <laughs> but it's like, the, so they're basically... So they're going to try and hide their true intentions to be like, oh, we're not the greedy ones. We don't like any of this. They literally made the actual decisions to pull in these schools. I think it's like LOL, you know? It, it just sort of makes everyone look bad because... Honestly, the Pac-12 should not be going away. But a- anyway, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. So you're welcome to weigh in on those topics. Arch Manning coming to save the day for Texas. A one-loss team getting in the college football playoff. And will one conference get two teams into the college football playoff? Uh, or more specifically, which one lost team has the best chance? Yeah. I, I say I, Alabama, Perloff says Oregon. I think you could do a good poll. The the big debate too now is Texas versus Alabama. So you could do Oregon. You could do a poll. Which one lost team would have the best chance? Alabama, Oregon, or Texas? I know That'd the only thing about that is that Al- Texas has the win over Alabama, and the committee has so far has rewarded that because they've been ranking Texas right above Alabama. EJ thinks that they will flip flop on that. I totally think that Alabama will leapfrog Texas, and it's only because I know 
the college football playoff doesn't have as much precedent, but it is new. But we've seen the past BCS schools that beat teams that then got leaked over because yeah. of their loss coming earlier in the season. Happened to Miami in 2000. Happened to Texas with Colt McCoy. It's happened a lot of times. And and I don't think that they care about the head-to-head matchup. I think they, they look at this more as a power ranking. They look at it as more of a where are you today. Yep. And the head-to-head matchup doesn't matter nearly as much as we think it does. I think the TV product matters a lot, too. I think they want ratings. So when, if that, I think the committee will have trouble keeping out certain schools. Alabama and Texas, I think, are very attractive to the committee. Coming up, got a lot more to do, including surprise change at quarterback. We're in back the NFL. on Maggie and Pearl. We'll that in a moment. It's that no, time we'll of year, Maggie, Maggie where you really need to read ahead to find out who's playing quarterback on Sunday. <laughs> it, it's only week nine. It feels like week 16 in quarterback terms right now. There's a lot of backups going on, but there is one move that has really caught your attention. Yeah, and it's a move that I really don't like. Now, we're going to debut a new segment here, and this was inspired by our pal Dave Marinick. We're going to debut a new segment called No Gray Area. Perfect. And when I say no gray area, I mean a situation that's unassailable. It's going to seem like opinion, but it's fact. (laughs) And this is the worst decision of the NFL season is upon us. And that's the Arizona Cardinals named Kyler Murray their starter for this week's game. Now, Perloff, why is this a bad idea? Let us count the ways. (laughs) Number one, Kyler Murray is coming off of an ACL injury. So he's about to join the worst team in the NFL, a team that's 1-8, and who are in the driver's seat for the number one overall pick and who can start this thing over again with the regime who did not draft Kyler Murray and, more importantly, did not pay Kyler Murray, okay? The folks who paid Kyler Murray, they're all fired. So what does that tell you about how the organization views the future of Kyler? Now, let's talk about the contract for a moment. It has a little thing we call injury guarantees, Uh which means if Murray (laughs) gets hurt again and cannot pass a physical by the fifth day of the league year, which is in March, then his contract for not 2024, for 2025 becomes fully guaranteed. That sounds bad. If anything happens to him, the contract is guaranteed, and it's guaranteed for over $45 million. Now you say, Maggie, why would you assume that Kyler Murray is going to get hurt again? Yeah, why? Why? Well, if you watched the Arizona Cardinals last week, and I'm pretty sure you didn't because they stink, Two offensive linemen left the game in that contest and did not return because of injury against Cleveland. So you have Kyler Murray off a torn ACL, now coming back to the worst team in the league, who may be down two starting offensive linemen. Now, the Cleveland Browns defense is so good. They're like the new 49ers, Mm -hmm. which means they beat you up in the game that it even lingers into the next game. So again... You've got Kyler walking into a team that just got the crap kicked out of them by the Cleveland Browns might be the wor- the best defense in the entire NFL. You've got five of your next eight games against teams with winning, winning records or at 500. So what are the positives of playing him? You would win a game, win a couple games, 
Not enough to make the playoffs and definitely enough to take you out of the running for the number one overall pick. The negatives, he blows your shot at the number one pick by winning some games. He gets hurt, guaranteeing his contract for 2025, and you have no more clarity about your quarterback position because now he could be coming off of two ACL injuries. Points to push back on. The two linemen that were injured last week probably weren't very good to start with. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You're making my point for me. The to me the real key point I think for you and I know how you think is that they don't want to blow the number one pick. But are you so sure that they don't want to build around Kyler Murray because they think Kyler Murray is a good quarterback? I think that's the crux of the question. Is there anything is there anything left in the Kyler Murray is a good quarterback dream? Well, maybe if they're trying to trade him, that you would try to prop up that maybe uh, there's something left. But here's if you really think Kyler Murray is the answer. And yeah, maybe maybe they do then why did they fire the people who drafted him and paid him and were coaching him? If you really love Murray, you keep the nucleus. You keep the nucleus around him. That means you think your general manager knocked it out of the park. That means you think your head coach and Cliff Kingsbury was awesome. Like, you made wholesale changes to the regime that drafted and paid him. Okay. I actually agree with you, but I'm playing devil's advocate here. And you can't. One, this is why it's called no gray area. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no gray. I mean, it's... it's this is the it, dumbest decision in, in the NFL that we've seen so far. But there is a scenario where the Cardinals can have Kyler Murray quarterback. Say he looks good. Say he looks Pro Bowl level. You would take a Pro Bowl level. Caleb Williams would be the number one pick, presumably. We don't know what he's going to be in the NFL. We don't know what Drake May is going to be in the NFL. We know Kyler Murray can be a Pro Bowl quarterback. I'm not a big Kyler Murray fan, but I do think there are some. Then you, if you have the number one pick, say you trade that for three more first-round picks. You have two first-round picks this year. You have the Texans pick and your pick. You could really start to do a massive, massive rebuild. If you go number one and draft Caleb Williams, you're adding Caleb Williams to one of the worst rosters in the league. You're not going to be good. So I think you might want to rebuild around Kyler Murray. You could make that argument because if you cut him, regardless of the injury guarantee, you have a real cap problem. You do, but... Again, this is the worst team in the NFL. I mean, maybe we could quibble about it, but right now they are in the driver's seat for the number one pick. They're not winning for a while. Well, so why do I want an expensive quarterback when I can start this whole thing over mm-hmm. again, even with an unknown Caleb Williams, Drake May, whatever? At least I'm not paying that guy, and I didn't make the mistake of paying Kyler Murray too fast. Say you my quarterback too fast. Say you trade from one to five. Yeah, uh, you get two first round picks. You take Marvin Harrison Jr. You add that to Kai with the Cardinals, the best receiver in college football, or Keon Coleman. You get a star receiver. Yeah. You draft another tackle. You drafted the tackle this year. All of a sudden, you have two top five tackles in front behind Kyler Murray. You have you're building some depth on offense. I don't know who on earth is on your defense, <laughs> but you can make an argument. Wow, we can build a really good team around Kyler okay. Murray. There are some Kyler Murray believers. I'm just pointing that out. Listen, and Kyler Murray, when it's on, it can look very good. But Kyler Murray is also somebody who needs to be able to make really devastating cuts hit the him running is a huge part of his game and now he's coming off of an ACL yeah. which I know guys come back from all of that that's fine but he's young in his career an ACL with a guy who needs that part of his game to be a big part of it it's not like Joe Burrow coming back from an ACL where Joe's just moving around the pocket here and there and getting the ball out quickly Kyler Murray is like the offense so if he gets hurt again, I blew my shot at starting over with the number one pick. No gray areas here, guy. I totally agree. You you convinced me. Thank you. Although 
I do like the strategy of not playing him against Cleveland for the reason you said he would have gotten murdered <laughs> in that game. Dumb. So okay, how about this? You play him against Atlanta, Houston, and the Rams, then you sit him against Pittsburgh and the Niners. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just sort of play him 75% of the time? Again, you're going to mess around. You might win a couple games here. It'd be <laughs> devastating. And you know what will happen? They'll win a couple games, and the fan base will be excited. They're like, we got Kyler Murray back, and it'll end up hurting them. I'm totally sold. Let's go to our pal. Lee is in San Diego is always an adventure. Good morning, Lee. Hey, how you doing? Good. Hey, I, I was just wanted to talk about I'm not I'm not a Cardinals fan or anything, but I think him getting back in there is a good thing for them. Why? I mean I mean the season's pretty much lost, but if they went out they could be uh ten and seven, right? You really think they're winning out? Win out. I really I think they're winning I, out. No. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm a Chargers fan. They're so. one and eight, by the hey, way. So a Chargers fan. Pearl doesn't I, think I'm they exist. To, I'm used to being disappointed. Oh. So <laughs> I, I I root for uh, any team that hasn't won the Super Bowl. I'm all there, man. I get Love that, it. Lee. Lions, Chargers, Vikings. Anybody that hasn't won a Super Bowl, I, I'm I'm all for it, man. Lee, you like the underdogs, and thank you for the yeah. phone call. I, by the way, if Kyler Murray could lead him to 10 and 7, be the greatest comeback in the history of not just the NFL, but all of sports, because they're 1 and 8 right now. So if he could lead them to a 10 and 7 record, <laughs> he's that got would, an extra game. <laughs> that would be a miracle beyond miracles. And I know he's good, he's a very talented quarterback, but that would be wild. Uh, Zion is in San Diego as well. Good morning, Zion. Yeah, good morning. What's on your mind? Uh, can I can I get a state of the franchise on what's going on with the 49ers? And if uh, being five and zero, starting five and zero, helped or hurt this team? Well, I don't, how did it hurt? How would it have hurt the team? Because they peaked too soon. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I think Zion. Thank you for the phone call. A little state of the 49ers coming off the bye. You're at Jacksonville. Yeah. This is one of the games of the weekend, and. Hey, get a new fun toy to play with. Chase Young is now part of this defensive front. That's changed since the last time we saw them. I think the key to helping the defense is you got to have Trent Williams in there so you can run the football. That's a, I think it was the Debo injury and the Trent Williams injury is why you had that little losing streak. And those guys are coming back. I think you see the first half Niners. This is a tough game against Jacksonville. I'm not saying they definitely win this game, but you're going to see a team that's much more like the 5-0 and team than... When Trent Williams went out and they stopped running the ball and McCaffrey was about three yards per carry, then all of a sudden the defense was on the field for 40 minutes a game compared to 20 minutes a game. Complimentary football, Maggie. You know, I always say that. <laughs> I do always say that. do always say that. Also, uh, nobody ever listens, but... <laughs> Establish the run, set up the pass. Yeah, and also... Other things you say. I think this is on me. I underestimated the impact of a Debo Samuel injury. I was like, they have Kittle, they have Ayuk, they have right. McCaffrey. They don't need Debo that bad. Man, he adds a lot of elements to that offense. Andrew Bogus is here with headlines. Good morning. Good morning again. Uh, you guys might have noticed that the Yankees were not involved in the baseball postseason. I think we're on 14 long years now without a world title in the Bronx. And now we know what's holding the Bombers back. Owner Hal Steinbrenner made the revelation public yesterday. One thing that was discussed in August is, is bunting. I mean, I think Aaron Boone thinks that we're not 
teaching the young players to bunt enough. Now, most other teams <laughs> would have fired Aaron Boone immediately for suggesting more bunts in 2023, but the Yankees know better, so Boone keeps his job, and this once proud organization will come back to life through the bunt. <laughs> it's amazing. The bunt. That's what's wrong with the Yankees. They couldn't bunt. Six weeks. This is their first postseason conversation. Ownership and GM Brian Cashman, who you'll hear from in a second. Six weeks after the season ends, the best they got is, we're probably going to (laughs) bunt. This is a team that is built on power, home runs. You know, you don't want to say anything about the defense. You don't want to say anything about how you don't have a left fielder. You don't want to say anything about how you got guys playing out of position constantly. No, no. The bunting, guys. That's where I I still couldn't get over that. He crowdsourced whether or not he should bring back Aaron Boone by (laughs) asking people who either aren't with the organization anymore, like Andy Pettit, or players who may be impacted or have a relationship with Aaron Boone that may be kind of biased and asking. Like, that to me was crazy. Like, you're a billionaire, and you're supposed to be the end-all, be-all, and you're asking your employees, hey, you know, the one of the most important guys in the organization, should I bring him back or not? No, the best is Nick Swisher was consulted on this. Nick, Nick Swisher, Swisher is basically a Labrador retriever of a person. Just nice, fun, positive, lick your face. I don't know about that, but he, seems seems possible. You know, I'll just play catch. Cool. Right. Nick Swisher, has Nick Swisher ever said a, a bad word about anybody? Yeah, Aaron Boone could probably punch Nick Swisher and Nick would say, good punch. Keep your job. Yeah. It's a heck of a hook. I welcome more bunting on the Yankees. Yeah, Manny's here wearing his Yankee hat. Mm. Is bunting the problem, Manny? I, I think bunts are a lost art in the sport, and I think I've seen it in the world. I saw it in the World Series. Somebody laid down a bunt, and it ended up being a two-base error. Yeah. People don't know how to defend the bunt nowadays. So the Diamondbacks bunted on the Phillies. It was super annoying. The Diamondbacks bunted more than <laughs> any team in baseball. Series? Who won the series? Yeah, the Diamondbacks. Who won that game? I, but I, I have to be honest. Hmm. I think all you Yankee lovers are out of your mind. This is a crazy... Because my Twitter feed was like, look at Brian Cashman, the worst GM in the history of sports. How many times have you, the Yankees been in the playoffs? What do you expect to win 150 oh, games every year? Oh, my God. Yankee fans he, are insane. He started insane. on third base. He has insane. one of the, the highest payrolls. And, and, and the Yankees... Insane. The Yankee, oh my gosh, we can't get in. You can't have one down year here? What's the big deal? Is that all of the moves that he made with his pitching staff have all flopped? All of them. I'm a Cashman Cashman defender, but what he said yesterday was asinine. Yeah, here's what he said yesterday for those of you who didn't hear. I'm proud of our people and I'm I'm proud of our process. Doesn't mean we're firing all cylinders. Doesn't mean we're the best in class. I think we're pretty good, personally. And uh, I'm proud of our people. So he's fired up. I mean, he said that in a year when they finished fourth in the AL East. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a statement. Also, I love he said, um, you know, nobody knows that we're, we're not run by analytics and nobody knows that. Meanwhile, you are literally bringing in an analytics company <laughs> to do your offseason work. <laughs> it's like the name analytics, like in the title of the company, the consulting company they're bringing in. Anyway, delusion is hell of a joke. I love it. I love it. We got a bunt more. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, it is still Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, and FSU. It's top the CFP rankings. Then Washington and Oregon all together, the top eight teams unchanged from week one. Number 23, Tulane, BTW, is the highest ranked group of five teams. 
Uh, I already knew I was lazy. I'm proud of it. But Jets head coach Robert Sala confirmed it yesterday. It's lazy to just put it all on him. You know, I think, like I said, it was a very, it was collective all the way across the board. Yeah, I'm putting it all on Zach Wilson. Other Jets <laughs> played poorly in Monday night's bleep show against the Chargers, but there's no reason to think anymore Wilson would have been good if people blocked for him. Uh, but Zach remains the Jets starting QB for Sunday night's game in Vegas. Um, yes, another prime time. Oh. Jet offensive. I'm sorry, America. I'm yeah. sorry. Lucky, lucky us. Um, I don't know if anyone's going to care about this, but there was great sound. Maybe find it later, or maybe not. Again, I don't know if anyone cares. But Robert Sala was asked yesterday, "Why aren't they going to Trevor Simeon?" I mean, we are so bottom of the barrel right now, and he did not have an answer. This is how you know you're not making the decisions is because he couldn't explain why they wouldn't go to Simeon. Again, not sure anyone cares. Wait, I got who, you next hour. Who is making the decision then? Why Why are they going with Zach Wilson? It's got to be the general manager. I think they either general manager or general manager trying to appease Aaron Rodgers that they don't want to move away from Zach Wilson. Not that Simeon is going to be some kind of <sighs> threat to Rodgers, but clearly Rodgers likes Zach Wilson, and clearly the organization doesn't want to admit that they got this so horribly wrong with the second overall pick. But, I mean, me. Is Aaron Rodgers really worried that Trevor Simeon would play well enough that if Rodgers was healthy in the middle of December, the Jets would go, I'm sorry, we're going to stick with Trev? <laughs> yeah. No. That would be his concern? Uh, will Levis is now the permanent starting QB with the Titans, and Carson Wentz is thankfully back in the NFL, reportedly agreeing to back up Matthew Stafford. The Rams hoping Stafford returns from his thumb injury after this week's bye. Men's top 25 college hoops, eighth-ranked Creighton, had no problem with Florida A&M, winning 105-54 while hitting 18 threes. At number 20, Baylor downed Auburn in Sioux Falls, 88-82. Jacoby Walker scored 28 for the Bears. So much rhyming on ice in Denver last night. Colorado takes it back. Kale McCarr head for Miko Ranton. And Ranton up the middle underneath for Nathan McKinnon. Backhander. He scores! The Mac attack is back, Jack. I feel like you need one more. I think a fifth. Yeah. Play off of Mac. Yeah, something like that. First of all, the Mac attack is Jody Mac over here. It's true. That's true. Yeah, probably. And that's a fact. The Mac attack is back, Jack. Jack. Yeah. So you can do it. Yeah, hack. (laughs) <laughs> Nathan McKinnon's Sorry. goal helped the Avs pull away from the Devils for a 6-3 win. The Sharks got their very first victory of the season on their 12th try, 2-1 over the Flyers. A loss would have been the worst start in NHL history. And the Rangers took care of the Red Wings 5-3. Artemi Panarin, a goal and an assist to extend his season-opening point streak to 12 games. And Atlanta United forcing a decisive Game 3 in Columbus on Sunday with a 4-2 home win last night. Guys, back to you. You said that would be the worst start in NHL history? Correct. That feels like it should be a little more notable, no? The worst start ever? I Are they tanking for the number one pick? Does that happen? Uh, I mean, it happens. I, the NHL is a lottery, though, so it's not a simple <laughs> science. I think they're just bad. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you have wanted to tank also last year? Wasn't Connor Bedard right. was the big yeah. prize? Yeah, I, just I don't know who this year's prize is. No, I have no idea, but it's just weird. The worst start in NHL history? Well, they tied I've, the worst start. They yeah. would have had it themselves if they lost last night. Huh. Yeah. 
Gosh, Sharks. See, the Yankees missed the playoffs once in 23 years, and you guys all panic. The Sharks are the worst team in the history of the sport, and nobody seems to care. But they're bunting, so they know how They need to bunt more. They bunted last night There's absolutely no difference between the New York Yankees and the San Jose Sharks. There's nothing that's different about those two franchises. have been a pretty good franchise, haven't they? I mean, Joe Thornton's not coming back to that door anytime soon. Yeah. Marco Sturm is long gone. Perloff only knew who one of those people were. Yeah. <laughs> five, Patrick Marlowe? No, <laughs> Patrick Marlowe's not a hockey player. <laughs> you mean the detective Patrick Marlowe? <laughs> no, that's Philip Marlowe. Anyway. <laughs> <go on. laughs> nice. Uh, what's that, Raymond Chandler? 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. Deion Sanders getting candid. We have it for you next. Don't move. Maggie and Perloff, CBS Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back. Maggie Gray, Andrew Perloff, CBS Sports Radio. Let's get to something that around here we call the Daily Dion. Daily. Do you believe in that? Dion. You believe in that? Dion Sanders doing an interview. Perloff at your former stomping grounds, Dan Patrick Show. Yeah. Which we love. Dion, always amazing guest on Dan Patrick Show. Loves Dan, has always had something to say. So I'm so psyched that he did this candid interview yesterday. We got a couple things for you off of this one. So first, Dion explaining why he doesn't want to coach in the NFL. I don't think I'm built for the NFL. I I, I don't think because I'm too, I appreciate the game so much. And I respect the game so much of what the game has consistently done for me for a multitude of years that when I see a guy getting paid millions and millions of dollars and he has no respect for the game, does not want to excel and exceed expectations of the game, I'm going to have a true problem. So I'm the kind of coach that would go out there with 53 and come back at the halftime with about 32. <laughs> I, I, think I believe that's a, him. That's a salary cap violation, I believe, to cut 19 players at halftime. <laughs> Yeah, the Players Association might have a problem with that. But I I actually believe him. I think that would drive him insane. Because, you know, Dion always wanted to get paid a lot, but he always did make good on those contracts. I think he doth protest too much. Because now the college players are pros as well. A lot of NIL money floating around Colorado. I think if college gets old, and college is getting more professional year by year. That's true. Eventually the lines might blur. And I think he would say, what the heck? It's not that different. Might as well go to the NFL. And, you know, you could throw a uh, truckload of money at him. The right situation could come up. And he, I think he'll be attracted to coaching his sons in the NFL as well. I I know he keeps saying this, but the more I hear it, the 
kind of less, less I believe, believe it. it. And also, he is technically, Dion's job is college football coach, so every single word he says is a complete lie slash fabrication. <laughs> I don't trust any college football coach to say anything. And Dion, come on, Dion also said, I think he said he was going to stay at Jackson State at one point. That is true. That did not happen. Uh, more on Dion saying his sons aren't leaving for the NFL this year, and he doesn't know if he would join them at the next level. They're going to come out the same year, next year. Okay. They better not try to leave daddy this year, by the way. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I haven't thought, man, I'm trying to win a game. I, I'm not thinking down the street that far. I haven't thought, thought like that. That's a great thought process, though. I told you. I thought the Raiders would have been a perfect spot. Bring in Dion as the coach. You bring in Shador as the quarterback. But as we discussed yesterday, I'm not really sure how great of an X's and O's coach Dion is. But, you know, you outsource that stuff. You can get, like, yeah. your, you know, timeout consultant. You've got an end-of-game situation guy. You don't have to get the analytics department involved. But you definitely don't have to call plays on either side. No There's way. a lot of coaches who do that. Yeah, John Harbaugh doesn't do that. And he has had a job for over a decade. I think Shador has a lot of reasons to stay because this year's quarterback class is loaded. Next year's is much, much more wide open. Get a higher pick. Maybe you go to a bad team, but you're linking with the Raiders. It's not well, going to get a lot, a lot worse than that. So I don't for think open, yeah, open you're, jobs. If you're t- if you go to a team that needs a quarterback, they're probably not great to start with. So I think Shador gets tons of money. He's already in, I see him in commercials all the time. There was a report he's making four point five million this year. Can make ten million next year to be at Colorado. So yes, he starts his clock on the NFL late, but he doesn't need any money. He's already driving a Maybach. The, the guys. <laughs> The guys whose dads are NFL pros generally don't feel the pressure to get into college football. Peyton Manning delayed it. Andrew Luck delayed it. And I think Deion's son, Shador, is in the same exact boat. He could easily delay it. And don't you think he wants to be number one? Deion has said this. He's not going to be number one this year. He's not going to be number two this year. So the highest he can be is three. Next year, it's an easy number one. Listen, not for me to, you know, yuck someone else's yums. I just don't understand why the number one overall pick is so important. I, I... I think that didn't Tom Brady blow this out of the water? Like, you you could go Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you can go to a much better situation and not be the number one overall pick. I mean, look at what happened with uh, Bryce Young this year. I mean, he went number one to what may be the worst roster in the NFL thanks to their GM and the owner gutting a lot of their star players. Just to get him. Yes, just to get him. CHR goes to a team that actually tries to build a, a team with an offensive line with a better defense, and he was number two. Even that made a big difference. Yeah, but he was two. Okay, I mean that's. I right, mean, it's right, not I mean, like the the Steelers or the well, maybe the Steelers. It's not like the 49ers or the Bengals or a great team is going to draft you. You're going to go to a rebuilding team because otherwise they wouldn't be drafting a quarterback, right? Yeah, but I think that we've seen the differences between just a few picks in terms of the roster construction around you can be massive. And Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, like you can end up going to a better, you can still be a first round pick and just end up going to a better situation. I never understood why guys, you know, wanted and needed that so badly because sometimes you're basically, you know, going to a place that could ruin your career. You do get paid a lot more. And by the way, you said that CJ Stroud going number two, there's no death pick more than the number two pick in the NFL draft. Generally, that, that one has that not is, been good. That's the disaster <laughs> that's quarterback spot. That's a Trubisky, Zach Wilson spot. But I, I think being number one overall, it's a big chunk of money right there. You could make up everything that you're losing by 
staying in school for one year, you can make it up right there. And look at next year's class. Everyone's coming out now. Yeah, but it's slotted these days. So the Sam Bradford 50 million guaranteed before you step on the field, that those days are gone. So I think the it's difference a good between 15 million or something between I think he had 32 guaranteed for the one spot. That's that's not small. No, it's not small, but I think you're getting 25 million for top 5. So mm. again, it's we're listen, it's right. funny money. We get that you're, you know, but he could be 30 this year because you got so many quarterbacks. Name a quarterback that's going to be in next year's draft class. No one's going to jump to mind. Well, Drew Aller is pretty much it. But think about it. You know who actually ended up being in the best situation in terms of getting paid and kind of gaming the system is Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts didn't have the fifth-year option and he ends up sitting first behind Carson Wentz, yeah. so he gets to look like the conquering hero when he gets into a game, and then he came up faster because you don't have that fifth-year yeah. option looming out there. Second-round pick actually gets you paid quick. Yeah, Will Levis might run into that same exact situation. He looks like a really good quarterback. But I I, I do think there is pride. I mean, you guys know the Sanders. You don't think there's pride about being number one overall? I know you th- say it's not important. Like when you look at big picture. I, I do think, however, that Shador Sanders, there's a lot of pride. Being the number one overall pick is kind of a cool thing. There's only one a year. That's math. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Dartmouth. <laughs> 855-2124-CBS. George is in Los Angeles. Uh, it's got a little different spin here on some news of the day. What's going on, George? Hey, good morning, guys. I enjoy your show. Um, I'm very pleased with them signing Carson Wentz, and I wish they had done that back in 2016, to be honest with you. I think uh, McVay, he wasn't around them, but I think McVay would have made him a much better uh, quarterback in the future and, and maybe revamp his career and like he did Baker Bayfield last year. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good signing. They have nothing to lose, and Stafford might be more injured than what we realize. Yeah. And with the, with the bye week, this will help him get ready. Thank you. George, appreciate it. Someone happy with Carson Wentz. I mean, but yeah, if Carson Wentz had been with McVay, sure, maybe his whole career is different. You can say that with a lot of quarterbacks. Well, the funny thing about Carson Wentz, early on, he was the huge hit. You know, right now we're five Speaking weeks. Of number two picks. We're, we're nine weeks in, and everyone thinks C.J. Stroud is the next Patrick Mahomes. Carson Wentz was through four years into his career at a perennial pro bowler, and nobody would have thought that he was going to be a total failure. He could have been the MVP in 2017, tore his ACL, and really, it was never quite the same. He never had confidence in that leg again. Kind of hurt him. But that's an interesting point because nobody liked Jared Goff early in the career. Everybody was like, Wentz was the better quarterback. Yeah, it's true. I guess the other thing, though, is, listen, I, I give McVay a lot of credit because I think he's brilliant. But, I mean, he definitely didn't feel like he could get the most out of Goff. Well, it makes yeah. him think he's going to get the most out of Wentz. He still got a lot of touchdowns out of Goff. He, he probably would have been pretty good with Carson Wentz. But Wentz got injured. He's back, though. You can't stop him, Maggie. The Carson Wentz train is riding again. Choo-choo. Let's go. Carson's corner. Coming up, it is Wednesday, which means the Great Debate Series continues. What do we pick this week? Give you a hint. It's based on this week's news. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.